Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week's cold open comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Tim Novak, and Frank Maine. The headline, despite ban on lobbyist campaign money, Lightfoot took but is now giving back $53,000 from lobbyist companies. More than a decade ago, then-Mayor Rahm Emanuel issued an executive order that prohibited him and future mayors from taking any campaign money from lobbyists. This year, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has accepted more than $53,000 in 39 individual campaign contributions from 14 companies owned by Carmen A. Rossi, a registered city lobbyist. Rossi, who is also a city contractor and restaurateur and nightclub owner and who holds the liquor license for the Lollapalooza. You can't have a good time without this person in Chicago, apparently. <laughs> they got the liquor license for Lollapalooza? Man, they are just, they have the, the good time department locked down this Rossi. <laughs> Nightclubs, liquor, what else you need? All right, but uh, no, uh, holds the liquor license for the Lollapalooza Musical Festival. Didn't make any of the contributions to Lightfoot in his own name. It isn't clear whether Lightfoot's taking the contributions from his companies would violate the ban Emanuel imposed on mayors taking political money from lobbyists. Wow, where do I start with this one? Uh, this is a ban that uh, Rahm Emanuel imposed. Uh, meanwhile, Rahm Emanuel is getting so much money from so many powerful forces in the city of Chicago who are not lobbyists. So please explain to me, ladies and gentlemen, the distinction between getting money from, I don't know, a well-connected law firm that is somehow or other feeding off the TIF industry in this town, you know, or the municipal bonds industry in this town is different than somebody who's a direct lobbyist. I don't know. The distinctions you make, Chicagoans, about what's corrupt and what isn't corrupt. What's about ethical and what isn't ethical? I will never understand. Not being from Chicago, I will never understand the distinctions you make. The stuff you do all the freaking time. Louis Lightfoot, if I recall, uh, this is a story that broke earlier. We so much just happened. This I'm not even sure we talked about this one. D uh, it happened earlier this week, where it turned out she got a contribution from the head of the Chicago Fire, the soccer team in the city of Chicago, and the Chicago the head of the Chicago Fire uh, was the beneficiary of a deal that went down when the CHA sold him land so he could build his facility on, it, as opposed to using that land for low income housing. Remember that deal? I know we talked about that deal. I didn't talk about the campaign contribution. So how is that? What more ethical? or <laughs> less disgusting than getting money from a paid lobbyist. You like draw these distinctions. And then if like, I were to have Lori Lightfoot on, you know, she's a, a lawyer. She's really smart. She went to law school. She did really well. So she could like, like take this deep dive and have, well, this is why it's different. <laughs> okay. Whatever. You know, the whole system's corrupt, ladies and gentlemen. All right, the whole system in the city is corrupt. We should go to public financing of campaigns. There we go. We would eliminate this once and for all. Public financing of campaigns, limit the amount of money that politicians can take to run their campaigns, and then we wouldn't have these ethical violations. But no, can't do that because that would be socialism. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
So we'll just stick with the ethical violations, which we seem to uh, thrive on. Remember, by the way, D, I don't know if we're going to get to this. Remember the long lines of people that showed up to Ed Burke's fundraiser after it was first announced that he yeah. was getting in trouble? Remember that well, one? You, you brought it up uh, earlier this week. You were like, I can't think of one good thing about Ed Burke. And I'm like, well, dude, I know he throws one hell of a party. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true. Although it's, you know what? It's funny you should say that. Someone told me, I can't remember who it was. I think I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another that you were messing around. Uh, that Ed Burke would at a party could get down and start playing the piano and singing old songs. I heard he was really good at that. So that's something he's good at. Oh, there, I, I, my my column for next week is. <laughs> Trying to find something good to say about Ed Burke. Oh, I heard he I heard he plays a mean jailhouse rock. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> I think you're mixing him up with Rod Blagojevich, oh. uh, who doesn't play piano, but uh, does an Elvis Im- imitation or impersonation. Uh, so anyway, it's just the city of Chicago is so funny. We pretend as though we care about ethics. And yet that long line of people line, who's ready to kiss Ed Burke's ring. Right after he first announced that he was in trouble, and uh, but they they weren't certain that it, they were really going to get him. So just to be on the safe side, they showed up. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, well, you know, he, they may not get him. He may stay in power. So we still want to be on the right side. I'm from Chicago. I'm very practical. But now we're outraged. Mayor Lori Life is returning the money. <laughs> Why she thought it was a good idea to take it in the first place? I don't know. Maybe she never thought that Tim Novak, that bulldog, dig out that bone, put it on the front pages. Actually, I haven't even seen that story, D. That must be on the internet. Yeah. That must be one of those on the internet. Oh. There we go. You know, that's where we do this show. Oh, yeah. The only place. (laughs) So I don't know if you want to raise an interesting point. Yes. That's where we do this show. I don't know. I'm, I've been saying this before. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna steal thunder from my opening. But the bright one, lately, you've been keeping the good stuff out of the newspaper. I'm just saying. That's I actually am stealing something that's too come. So to, uh, to conclude uh, the opening, only in Chicago would they think they'd be cleaning up <laughs> ethics violations by returning this money while looking the other way at all the other violations that happen every single day. All right. Well, there you go. That's one hell of a cold opening. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, December 2nd, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Will his next column be about old Lobby Lightfoot? Maybe. I don't know. Actually, Ben, tell us about your most current column in the reader. Sorry, I swallowed that the wrong way. Uh, A tribute to Harold Washington. Uh, It was his birthday. You know, every Thanksgiving, someone pointed this out that it's like an annual column. I think Tom Clark did. Shout out Tom Clark. Uh, And um, every Thanksgiving, uh, I get sentimental, I guess is the right word, nostalgic about Harold Washington. Uh, Because he died, I forget I think he died the the day before Thanksgiving or two days before Thanksgiving in 1987, I know, right around Thanksgiving. And so the mourning went on all throughout that thing. It was one of the most depressing Thanksgiving uh, 
holidays I can ever recall. And this, it was a typical Chicago November day, D, where the sun has disappeared. You know what I mean? Like, you know how that happens in Chicago? Like a week. Where's the sun? That thing in the sky. Well, I am not coming out. <laughs> I'm sh- I can't blame that on Chicagoans, but, you know, the sun disappears. I always blame everything in Chicago. So it was a very uh, sad time. And it just every Thanksgiving, I just have this melancholy feeling uh, about Harold Washington, who is my great hero, my great political hero. Uh, and so it's just, it just, I can't help myself every at that time of year, uh, as Tom Clark writes, I like, I, Tom Clark uh, stated uh, the journalist, Tom Clark, that I just write a column or tribute for Harold Washington and what he means to me and what he meant to the city and how the city is trying to do everything he can to erase all the good things that Harold Washington did. You know how we do that in society? Like Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders was like the first politician for millennials. I could say that actually offered millennials something of like a practical value and significance from government. You know, I'm going to help you with what you need. Like you need healthcare. How about healthcare? You need college education. How about college education? You know what I'm saying? These something. The Democrats. Wait, we can't allow that. Oh my God! So it's the same thing in Chicago. You know, here comes Harold Washington. I'm going to confront racism in this city that's existed for a hundred years, and I'm going to make everything fair. Every neighborhood is going to get the same amount. Well, we can't have that. As soon as he's dead, they implement a TIF program that gives almost all the economic development dollars to like the fastest growing gentrifying neighborhoods and depletes the rest of the, the funds. Doesn't give any of the money or very little of the money to the rest of the city. That's how you run an economic development program. It's the exact opposite of what Harold Washington said he stood for. That's what we've had since he died. And then, but yet every year. Let's pay tribute to Harold Washington and his legacy. What a great mayor he was as you reverse everything he tried to do. So that's kind of what I wrote D uh, in my last column. Kind of. I don't know. There's a lot of what you wrote there. It sounded like (laughs) (laughs) that and so much more Chicago reader, Chicago reader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can Chicago reader.com forward slash Jarofsky J O R a V is in victory. S K Y. It is Friday, December 2nd, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week! And now your host, oh, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello again, everyone. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Bears Packers Friday, and here's why. We're going to set 2020. Huh? I'll tell you why. The Bears are playing you the okay? Packers on Sunday. You all right? What are you yelling for? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my – whenever I think football. Run a set, 2020. That's the quarterback oh. calling out the signals. <laughs> it's, uh, by the way, a little just inside uh, gossip, Dennis is growing quite the beard lately. Oh. Huh? A little shaggy there, young man. Huh? Let's clean up that face, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to get my podcasting face on here. We have standards on the Ben Jarofsky show. Every day we must shave. Oh, by the way, you got a little cereal on your lip there, Ben. Yeah, I know. I just know it is bad. Speaking of standards. Hold on, let me get that cereal. Oh, is that a delicious bowl of cereal? Do you? you know how when you put the like the little nuts on top and the, uh, you put the bananas on? Mm-mm-mm. 
Anyway, I just got to say this about my beloved uh, Chicago Bears and my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times. Every Friday, the Sun-Times does predictions. They're, they tip their smartest, smart people they have in the sports section, the brightest brains that that Sun-Times Sun sports section has. And they, like, put them in it's like a metaphorical room. And it's all, it's all men. So you go, all right, guys, make your predictions. These are the smartest, smart people at the Chicago Sun-Times, D. All right? And the sports side, anyway. And they know football better than anyone else in the universe. And they make predictions about what the Bears are going to do. I'm looking at these records of the, their predictions. Uh, not too good. <laughs> Just saying. Rick Morrissey, very funny columnist, by the way. He's got the best record at 8-4. and four. Uh, Rick Tellender, you know I love you, Rick. 6-6, six and six, not a great year, Rick. Got to work on those predictions. Lawrence Holmes, very great on the mic, but predictions, Lawrence? 6-6, six and six, hello, Patrick Finley, seven and five. Jason Leiser, six and six. Uh, Mark Potash, six and five. Was he six and five? Would he miss a game? <laughs> six and five. Uh, what? What? Huh? Six he had a bye one. week. He had a bye week. All right. I see. He took a week off. <clears throat> Anyway, the Bears are playing the Packers uh, on Sunday. It's usually a big, you know, big rivalry game. But I don't know. The Packers are so bad and so pathetic. It's hard to really, you know, care about the Bears-Packer rivalry. And Aaron Rodgers is ancient. He looks ancient. Here's my recommendation, Green Bay. Okay? Just take this from me. Ease Aaron Rodgers out. Ease him down down the road. On down the road. Yeah. Like in Wiz, ease him on down the road. And put in the kid, Jordan Love. All right, there you go, a little sports talk. And while I'm at it, before I turn things over to Dr. D, come on, Sun-Times predictors. <laughs> six and six? That's like if I just threw darts at a dartboard. I mean, I'd hit half of them. You know what I'm saying? All right, without further ado, I turn things over to the man, admit the legend, the pride of Joe Ball, Illinois, for all the news of Oh, What a Week. Take it away, Dr. D. Thank you very much. How's it going, everybody? Actually, Ben, before we get going, let's do a quick sound check. Right, give me a check one, check two. Check one, check two, check one, check two. All right, sounded good. All right, I'm going to turn the shower on. Now tell me, give me a check one, check two. Give me. Come on. Yeah? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. All right, I couldn't hear you, man. What's going on? Were you, were you oh, saying anything? <laughs> our, we love our baby boober listeners. Ben, I'm having a hard time hearing you when I'm taking all right, let me turn it on again. Go. Give me a check one. Check one, check two. Ah, check good one, God. check two. I got to go to Best me. Buy this weekend. <laughs> Fix that problem. Oh, God, our baby boomer. I can't hear you on the, when I'm in the shower. <laughs> let's shower check. Oh, my God. That's a multitasking baby boomer. You know, I don't have a lot of time to listen to Ben's show. I'll listen to him while I'm taking a shower. Oh, scrubby dub dub. <laughs> All right, you know, I love you, baby boomers, but you're weird, man. Go ahead, D. <laughs> let's find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week. Actually, before we do that, hey, remember the 2022 gubernatorial election? Remember that? Huh? Well, former gubernatorial candidate Darren Bailey does, and my God, he won't stop talking about it. I may not be going to Springfield as your next governor. But I will never stop fighting for you. Blah, blah, blah. But this week, we heard even more from the Republican frontrunner from a couple weeks ago. Yes, the big feller himself, D.B. Darren Bailey. And he told all of us why he lost the big one. Now, Ben, call me crazy, but I thought we knew why he lost. He didn't get as many votes as the guy who won. 
But I guess there's more to it. Bailey had a list of reasons why he lost. Ben, let's run through these one by one, and I'll ask you if you agree or disagree with Bailey. How's that sound? Okay, sounds like a plan. All right, here we go. Reason number one from Darren Bailey on why he lost the money problem. Bailey expressed frustration that he couldn't counter attacks aimed at him. He said, quote, the lack of me being able to acquire the funds to get my message out was an issue. I'd meet face to face with anyone to have the conversation of what divides us and what we can do to work together on issues that will unite us. But Governor Pritzker was able to paint me as someone that I'm not. And that was powerful. All right. Well, first of all, shout out Shia uh, Kapos. I think that's where this list comes from. So uh, give a shout out to Shia. I, I read this thing, D, and I just laughed out loud. I mean, what is there about you, Darren Bailey, that you think the voters didn't see? You know, I mean, like, there, it is conventional wisdom uh, that if the other side, you're like a blank slate. This is the way political operatives put it. Uh, and you have to fill in that the picture first. And you want to fill in a positive image. The opponent wants to fill in a negative image. If the opponent gets the first shot at the slate, then they have a negative attitude. That's 101 of how political operatives look at the world. And since pundits are influenced by political operatives, they talk to each other all the time. Off the record. You know, it's like that's how they view the world. But the reality is the Darren Bailey that J.B. Pritzker depicted in those negative ads is the Darren Bailey that exists in the real world. How do I know that? Good question, D. Because on the Ben Jarofsky Show, we have been following Darren Bailey's career since he made a name for himself. We like to think of ourselves as Darren Bailey pioneers. We were covering Darren Bailey before anyone even knew who he was. D.B., the big feller, okay? And so... You are who you are, to quote Dennis Green. And, or to paraphrase Dennis Green, he wasn't speaking about Darren Bailey, speaking about the Chicago Bears. Got to get cat football off my mind. But, point being, you can't cry about not having enough money to present the you to the public that really exists, since the you that really exists was presented to the public in JB's commercials that we chastised JB for doing. Way back when in the primary, when JB was saying, this is the, the maggiest MAGA guy running, and you are the maggiest MAGA guy running, or you were the maggiest MAGA guy running. The only MAGA-er guy who could have run is Johnny Catanzaro from the Fraternal Order of Police. He loves Donald Trump so much, he puts a T-shirt on. You love him so much that you, when Donald Trump came to Illinois to campaign for Mary Miller, you scurried. And I could just see you scurrying. I'm going to run. Got to go. Got to go to be there to get Donald Trump's endorsement. And now you turn around and say, well, I'm not really that guy. <laughs> yes, you are. You are who JB said you were. And then when you were running for governor, you realized that like 50, at least 51% of the state of Illinois cannot stand MAGA. It's going to be really difficult to be elected as a MAGA man. You try to kind of present pretend like you weren't a MAGA man, which is kind of hard to do if you are a MAGA man. So, D, I read this. I'm like, come on, DB. Come on, DB. 
And uh, you know what? If he had more money for commercials, do you think he'd be running commercials that would make him look like less of a MAGA guy? No. He'd be running commercials that would be <laughs> like ripping JB. Well, remember, he didn't right? have time to watch him do all those commercials. I'm working hard on this campaign. If I sit and get distracted and watch TV all day long, like apparently Governor Pritzker does, <laughs> I lose focus. There you go. Excellent job. I forgot that one. I forget what he, JB was watching on TV. Yeah, I, I, I actually, there's so much. Do you remember what it was that JB was watching on TV that got DB so upset? I can't remember. Was it like old reruns of Hee Haw? Maybe he was watching Hee Haw. I just threw Hee Haw. I don't know why I thought. How about Petticoat Junction? You know, JB is probably a huge Petticoat Junction fan. That's way before your time. To you know, I'm going to do one that you would know. Uh, how about Barney Miller? Oh no, that's still no, too no, long. It's ago. still, still <laughs> very old. I, I do this? Oh my God, a TV show that a millennial would know. Uh, he was watching American Idol season two. Thank you. There you go. There we go. Uh, by the way, you're looking very Ryan Seacrest with that new look with the hair coming out of the. By, by the way, I didn't tell you this, D. I saw Ryan Seacrest on TV the other day. The guy is shaved. Remember, I always talk about how he's like let that little fuzz come in, and all these yeah. football coaches are imitating him. He's shaved. I'm like. I got to update this on the Ben Jarofsky show. Ryan Seacrest is shaved. Oh, so and, anyway. and he had a lovely suit. I like uh, your suits. Suit. You look good in them. And I'm, I, I think that's awesome. And I hope that after the election, we can come to terms and maybe you could take me suit, suit shopping. Yeah, see, that was kind of a backhanded way of saying uh, JB's a little on the portly side. We all know DB. And by the way, who are you to talk? Right. I'm just saying, D. Okay. So anyway, DB, going back to the opening line, no, your loss had nothing to do with the fact that you had less money. Your loss had to do with the fact that you were running as a MAGA man in a state that can't stand MAGA, by and large. I mean, there are MAGA fans or are MAGA people in the state of Illinois, but they don't equal 50.1% of the vote, and that's what you need to be elected. Take it away, DB. So that was reason number one, the money problem. On to reason number two, abortion. Not having the funds to explain his abortion views or how they might affect the state or not was also frustrating to Darren Bailey. Darren Bailey said, quote, I'm pro-life, but I needed to get the message out that Illinois wouldn't see a change in abortion laws. Bailey explained that in interviews, but it didn't resonate because he didn't have the funding. We're going back to the money problem to get the message out. Oh, God. I don't know if we have enough time for me to dig into this issue. By the way, I... Uh, a shameless uh, promotion. Terry Cosgrove and I dug into this issue and a bonus that drops this weekend. You can hear it all, but I'll just give you a sense of it. What a fraudulent statement to come out of DB's mouth in that interview with Shia Kapos. Absolutely. What a canard. How dumb do you think the voters of Illinois are? DB, Dara Bailey. You gave a videotape message to your supporters in which you said abortion that had been allowed since Roe v. Wade was worse than what the Nazis did to the Jews. The Germans did to the Jews in World War II. You equated an abortion to genocide. So people knew what your views were on abortion. So if you go and try to tell the public that you're just, you believe that abortion is murder. You believe that it's similar to genocide and you're going to tolerate it and not try to change laws. You must think the voters are idiots. Now I know I'm guilty 
of underestimating the intelligence of Chicago voters. I know I am guilty of that, D. It's been pointed out to me many times by many guests and many listeners that I am too mean and negative regarding Chicago voters. But I never held voters in such low esteem as to assume that they would think that I could say on one hand, abortion is worse than Nazi genocide, and then turn right around and say, but I'm not going to do anything about it. The reality is, once again, you had a position that was at odds with the vast majority of people in the state of Illinois. You're lucky you got 40, whatever he got, percent of the vote. I don't know. What did he get, 44%? I can't remember, D, 44, something like that. You're lucky you got it, given your positions on abortion. So there's not a TV commercial in the world that you could have created that would somehow or other camouflage the fact that you are ferociously anti-abortion and that once in office, you would ally yourself with other ferociously anti-abortion activists. Everybody knew that. And so anybody who cared about preserving abortion rights was more than likely going to vote against you. And there's not a commercial in the world you could have created if you had vast fortunes of money to spend on them that could change that. In fact, I don't even know if you'd want to draw attention to the issue because you knew that drawing attention to the issue would just focus everybody's attention on the fact that they vehemently disagree with you that you held a position that over 50% of the voters disagree with. So that's just the reality, D. One more time. DB, the, the worldview you have on abortion may have worked for you if you ran in Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, Ohio, Indiana. But you weren't running in one of those states. You were running in Illinois, where most people favor abortion rights. So there's nothing you could do about that except face the consequences which were a drubbing on election day. Darren Bailey got 42.7%. Wow. It's even worse than I thought. Thanks, D. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. I'm Dennis. All right, on to reason number three, the Trump factor. Hmm. Bailey said, quote, you either love Trump. Oh, I guess I should do the Bailey accent here. He said, quote, you either love Trump or you hate him. <laughs> I think that's it. And here in Illinois, there does happen to be that divide. I don't let it frustrate me. I see the accomplishments that President Trump brought for outweighing his mean tweets. Wow. His mean tweets. <laughs> oh, I see. DB, you reduced Donald Trump. Everything he's done, all the lawlessness, the insurrection. You know, how about the latest thing with Kanye and uh, Nick Fuentes? You reduced that all to a mean tweet, huh? Huh? Is that what you're going to do, huh? That's all of a sudden, there you go. There's my, uh, huh? What are you going to do, Bill Burr? Huh? Yeah, that's your guy, huh? So once again, the reality is this. Darren Bailey needed Donald Trump to win that Republican primary. Donald Trump controls the Republican Party. Let's be honest, folks. I don't know how, I don't know if it'll extend uh, into the next election cycle. I don't know uh, if DeSantis from Florida will really make a challenge or I think he's going to be too scared to make the challenge against Donald Trump, D, but we shall see. But right now, Donald Trump controls the Republican Party. If you want to get the Republican nomination, more likely than not, you have to embrace Donald Trump. And that's what you did, Darren Bailey. You embraced Donald Trump. 
in a state that went, what was like 54% against Donald Trump voted against Donald Trump, even against Hillary Clinton. So you can't blame that on anyone but yourself. If you wanted to distance yourself from Donald Trump, as you uh, faced the voters of Illinois, you shouldn't have scampered giddily like a happy little schoolboy to that rally that Donald Trump held for Mary Miller. It wasn't even for you. You remember Donald Trump came to the state of Illinois to help Mary Miller in her primary run, Congresswoman Mary Miller. She wanted to help Mary Miller. He wanted to help Mary Miller out. You sort of crashed that party, Dara Bailey, because you were so eager to get Trump's endorsement. And he gave you it. He didn't know who the hell you are. But, oh, right, uh, this, this, this guy, uh, what's his name? DP, big father. Oh, your, Trump, your Trump's getting better. <laughs> That's terrible, Trump. No, I, I, I can tell, though. You're working on it. I am working on it, but it's still terrible. I mean, I, every now and then I watch again and again, obsessively, the Jamie Foxx imitation, who's, in my opinion, does the best Trump. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. I love how he does the excuse me. You got that. You know what I'm saying? Excuse me. Who are you? Donald Trump like interrupts somebody. Excuse me. So anyway, Darren Bailey, you know, I mean, if you were worried about being too closely attached to Donald Trump, you might not have gone to the rally that Trump held for Mary Miller. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You might have tried to, I don't know, maybe go to a rally with Adam Kinzinger. There's a thought. I mean, there are people, are Republicans in the state of Illinois who are repulsed by Donald Trump. So as an attempt to try to, like, win over some of the anti-Trump voters, you might have reached out to them. <laughs> didn't see didn't see you run to any rallies with Adam Kinzinger. But you ran to a rally for Donald Trump, so you can't cry about it now that the voters have responded. All right, we're on to our fourth and final reason why Darren Bailey did not win the election. Number one was the money problem. Number two was abortion. Number three, the Trump factor. <laughs> Frankly. On to reason number four, the mail. Oh, God. And though, and though Bailey didn't vote for legislation to make mail-in voting a law, he did say that he'd like to see Republicans work harder to get voters to send in their ballots. Bailey said, quote, that's why the Democrats won. Acknowledging his campaign spent $300,000 on a mail-in ballot effort, Bailey said, quote, but it wasn't enough. Wow. This may be the most delusional uh, explanation of the law for them. And, and I say that realizing that the other three are pretty out there. But just think about this, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just that the Republican Party has not uh, embraced mail-in ballots or early voting ballots. No, they've gone the other direction. They've lost their freaking mind. They have depicted early voting as part of the dark state's attempt to steal an election. They have urged their voters, their supporters, their Maggius MAGA true believers, believers to vote in person. They've discredited, and they've done everything they can to discredit mail-in voting or early voting. Every time they lose a state when the mail-in votes come in, uh, they now, not every time, but ever since 2020, MAGA has said it, it's theft, it's stealing, it's rigged. So now how can you turn around, Darren Bailey, and say we haven't done enough spending of money on mail-in voting? It's the opposite with you. 
You've discredited it. You're enti- you've, you have wedded yourself to a political movement dedicated to the proposition that mail-in voting is bad. Now you're complaining that you didn't do spend enough money promoting it? Again, delusional. Again, you say that you were hurt by voters' opinions of Donald Trump as though you hadn't embraced Donald Trump. Now you say you've hurt by Republicans' reluctance, to put it mildly, of early voting when you're part of a party that shuns early voting. I, we, I've act, we've said this on the show many times. Early voting, the war, the Republican war in early voting hurts the Republican Party more than it hurts the Dems. And a lot of old people who are Republicans, a lot of boomers, my fellow boomers are Republicans. It would help them to do early voting. You know what I'm saying, D? Mail it in. But no. Their party, their party, and by the way, they do... The joke is that Donald Trump did a mail-in ballot. So, Darren Bailey, every single excuse that you gave is, in fact, a reason why you lost. And the Republican Party has got to look in the mirror in Illinois. They lost from top to bottom. They lost two uh, Supreme Court seats. They lost the governor's race. They lost attorney general, secretary of state, et cetera, and so forth, treasurer, controller. So if they they should do some soul searching. Uh, and, uh, you know, D, I just saw this. This is so funny. I had a tangent with a tangent. I didn't tell you this. Uh, I was talking about, again, with Terry Cosgrove. There was an article in the New York Times, which is so clueless about the state of Illinois. And they talked about Carbondale at this sleepy little town in Illinois that uh, had has an abortion clinic in it and how voters are, um, some voters out there are upset by it. I'm like, Carbondale, sleepy little town. Are you kidding me? That's like the biggest party time. I mean, yeah. my memory, it's yeah. been a while. No, that, yeah. The party didn't stop in Carbondale. And I'm like, the attitude that people have towards Southern Illinois, it's like, remember Browner? We made fun of him so much about his appeal to Southern Illinois was that he was going to fight against Reefer. I mean, like, Carbondale is Reefer City, ladies and gentlemen. You want in the seventies anyway? You want to smoke some reefer? Go down to Carbondale. It never yeah. stops. Oh yeah. You you can't wake and bake if you don't go to sleep at all. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of Carbondale. You just not wake and bake. It's sleep around. It's like bake around the clock. <laughs> bake around the clock. Anyway, I went on a tangent with it. A tangent. It's so. a lovely city. What's that? It's a lovely city. Yeah, I love Carbondale. I've been there in many years, but. Man, it was a rocking good time in Carbondale back in the 70s. <laughs> Leonard Skinner on the jukebox. I love Leonard Skinner back in the 70s, D. I got to admit it. Not so much anymore, but, but, oh, Freebird. Yeah. Two guitars. Sorry. Really apologize for that tangent. Yeah, thank you. Take it away. <laughs> debate on editing that out. Yeah. <laughs> on the drawing board there. All right. Well, hey, there you go. Darren Bailey. Give him another week. He'll come up with five more reasons why he didn't win. You know what I mean? He really didn't uh, nail the real big ones why he didn't win. Uh, dude, you got the majority of people in Chicago voting, and you just trashed Chicago. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, dude, that's not a way to get people in Chicago to vote. Where you live sucks. That, that could have been a big reason. Oh, so true. <laughs> he just 
Well, you know, I mean, I could see why Donald Trump does it, because follow me in this deed to win. Donald Trump does not need the electoral votes from Illinois. OK, yeah. so I could see why he does it. But, Darren, here's the difference between you and Donald Trump. You need Chicago votes to win because Chicago yeah. at the moment is in the state of Illinois. You know, you cannot be victorious if you just get people south of Chicago to vote for you. Just a little lesson there. Okay, next time you run for governor, you might want to consider saying something nice about Chicago yeah. every now and then. Also, dude, you had zero ideas. Like, what's your plan, Darren Bailey? Well, we're going to fire him. What's after that? Well, I don't know, but we're going to be fired. I'm like, okay. Which, by the way, was very reminiscent of Bruce Rauner, and we had that already. So I think that's really kind of the combo that really got Darren Well, you know, I actually, uh, I have to look at the numbers. You caught me off guard there. Uh, I didn't realize he only got 42.7. I must have seen early uh, votes before they started the mail-in, counting mail-in votes. Um, I think he did worse than Rauner. Uh, And Rauner did pretty bad against JB. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) as bad as Rauner. And by the way, Rauner had a lot of money. DP, I'm just saying. So maybe it's the messaging, the message that you have as opposed to the. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you could see Dennis when he does his router imitation, he really gets into it. It's like, uh, 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 uh. Uh. Meanwhile, we, meanwhile, JB Pritzker was at the White House this week to attend a state dinner in honor of French President Emmanuel Macron. The menu featured butter poached Maine lobster. Here's a quote from Pritzker. Suck it, Darren Bailey. <laughs> uh, as he was eating that, uh, walking into uh, the room to eat the lobsters going, red lobster for the seafood lover in you. Yeah, I'm Sorry, sure that's dude. what the billionaire is saying. When he, <laughs> he's probably like, oh, this lobster is garbage. <laughs> I really love lobster. Can I just tell you that? But I haven't had it in so long. I just like thinking you put it in the butter. Oh, it's so good. But I haven't had it, D, like 10 years. Uh, no, isn't that something, man? What a wow. Yeah, DB was looking real sharp. Excuse me, JB was looking real sharp in his tuxedo. I saw a picture in the bright one of him walking into uh, uh, the party room. I was not invited to that, D, by the way. I just want to let you know I was not invited to that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. To the winner goes the spoils, in this case, uh, some lobster. I guess this means that uh, Joe Biden, I got a feeling, uh, will be running for re-election. So we could put aside for the moment the talk of JB running for president. Okay, And let's find out who's going to be cracking Joe Biden's lobsters for him. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's getting up Uh, there in age. Yeah, well, he's he's 80 years old. Happy birthday. Uh, he's 80 years old. Uh, Donald Trump will be about 78, I want to say, D, when the next election. I think Donald Trump will be the nominee. I don't see anyone beating him. Uh, uh, I don't know if the law says if you're in prison, can you run for president? I don't know what the law says. I'll have to ask Jim Coogan when he comes on the show next week. Um, but uh, so, you know, an 80-year-old versus a 78-year-old. Mm, boy. <laughs> Yay. That ought to get the youth phone out. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's our system. We just love our politicians so much. We just want to keep them around forever, ladies and right. gentlemen. We're just like, all right, first one to the debate stage wins the presidency. Let's go. Go. There's like slow walking. 
Oh, no, that's like, oh, God, sports. Here comes sports reference, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I call it the Charles Barkley show, even though it's not the Charles Barkley show. But in my mind, it is the Charles Barkley. So it's, you know, Kenny and Ernie and uh, Shaq. And then when uh, Kenny has to run to the big screen to show you the play. Have you ever seen that one day where he like poor guy's knees are shot and they'll have a race. And you watch these guys, three uh, Charles, Shaq and Kenny, their knees are shot from all their years of playing basketball. And they're limping along. <laughs> oh, they're trying to get to that big screen. Who's going to be first? One time Shaq fell on the way. Anyway, that's kind of what you said. Well, like the, the, the image of Donald Trump and Joe Biden in a race to the podium. The winner, the first guy to touch the podium is the next president. Could you imagine if that's how we did it? Oh, my God. All right, so hey, that was fun, huh? A look back at the 2022 election. I think we're done. The campaign, of course, is not done. No, the campaign's done. Jimmy Pritzker pummeled <laughs> all of you guys. I love you, too. <laughs> oh, I love this. <laughs> Flannery. The campaign is done. Okay, Mike Flannery. The campaign, of course, is not done. <laughs> All right, now to the news in the city of Chicago. Thank God. Hey, come on, Mayor. (laughs) Be nice to the state news, could you? (laughs) Well, it was a big week for the Chicago mayoral election. A 2023 Chicago mayoral candidate update. Monday was the last day of petition filing for our Chicago mayoral candidates. Yes, petition filing, where anyone who is serious about becoming the mayor has to show up at the Board of Elections and turn in thousands upon thousands and thousands of signatures from Mm. actual living people, Eh, give or take a few, who actually (laughs) reside in Chicago, Eh, give or take a few. 12,500 signatures are needed to get into the race, and on Monday morning, Mayor Lightfoot walked into the Board of Elections with 40,000 signatures in hand, making her the candidate with the most signatures in the race. I'm Chewy Garcia. Okay, for like three or four hours. (laughs) Tops. Yes, because later that day, Monday afternoon, right at the deadline, Congressman Jesus Chewy Garcia, who decided to run for mayor just a couple of weeks ago, won up the mayor and turned in 50,000 signatures. Damn you, Chewy. (laughs) And because Garcia was the last to file, he will be listed last on the ballot. All right. Wow. Uh, First of all, 50,000 signatures. That's a lot of signatures. 12,500 are needed. Uh, And uh, you're not allowed. This is, I mean, our rules are so insane. You're not allowed. Voters are not allowed to sign the petitions of more than one candidate for the same office, which I do not understand that rule at all, D, other than being an attempt to make it harder uh, for people to get the signatures they need, which is probably the only reason they have that rule. What difference does it make? What that's where are my free speech libertarian friends when I need them? That's a denial of my free speech. It's not voting more than once. It's simply using my citizenship to increase my choices on the ballot. How could you be against that? There's no rational, logical reason for having that rule other than to give an advantage to the candidate who has the most resources to gather the signatures in the first place. That's the only reason. It's generally an incumbent protection legislation. Serves no other purpose than that. 
And yet, what's going to happen in the next few days, it's probably happening right now, is that candidates, uh, excuse me, supporters of Lori Lightfoot and supporters of Chewy Garcia are going to go through the nominating petitions of their rivals to see if there are voter signatures on each set of petitions. So in other words, if Dennis signed for Chewy and Dennis signed for Lori, one of them has to go. And the one that will go, what the signature that we go will be the one that Dennis signs second. I know this is incredibly confusing. You cannot discuss ballot access laws in Chicago without getting really confusing. Cause as I said, they make it as confusing and complicated as they can to deter people from voting. And then they wonder why people, excuse me, to deter people from running. And then they wonder why it also deters people from voting. So if they find that Dennis signed a Chewy's signature after he signed Lori's signature, then Lori can get Dennis's signature kicked off of Chewy's petition. Now, folks, just think about this for a while. What if the signature checkers from Chewy discover that Dennis signed their petition after Lori? Do you think they're going to say, um, uh, in the name of good sportsmanship, we're going to voluntarily excise Dennis's name from our petition. I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes in tennis, like someone will hit the ball and he know he knows it was in when the ref, the ump really called it out. He, you know what? I, I, I've actually seen that. I think I have once in 50 years to, you know, where the guy said, I, I really don't deserve that point. I don't think it's going to happen in Chicago politics, ladies and gentlemen. Our system is insane, people. And yet it's our system. So, yeah, D, for the next couple of weeks, they're going to be going through those. They're going to try. Brian Hopkins, the alderman of the second ward, he's running on a post. Got nothing but free time in his hand. For some reason, he doesn't like Lori Leffitt. Have no idea. She's done everything he could possibly want. We talked about this with Delmarie Cobb. That will be coming up uh, tomorrow, I think. She goes, takes a deep dive in this. He's going to go after Lori Lightfoot. So he's going to try to knock off all the signatures he can so that she won't make the ballot. And if he's successful, you Chicagoans, you Lori Lightfoot fans, will not get a chance to vote for Lori Lightfoot again. That's our system. That's our system that we have in the city of Chicago. So, D, yeah, the gamesmanship has just begun, to quote the Carpenters. Well, a few a few questions um, here. Does this kind of foreshadow what the mayoral election will look like? I mean, if signatures were votes, Chewy Garcia is the mayor right now, baby. Uh, well, that's an interesting point. You, I think you said that to me earlier today, uh, and I gave me pause and thought about it. That's presuming, of course, that the 50,000 signatures he gathered are all good, as opposed to two guys sitting around a table just signing. So, here, you sign, they sign. It's called round table, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you sign, you sign, you sign. So, you know, I mean, uh, if those are 50,000 good signatures, then that's an pr- impressive uh, display of force by Chewy Garcia. If those are 50,000 signatures, but only 15,000 are good, that's so impressive. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, so it's hard to say at the moment uh, whether how significant the fact is that Chewy got 10,000 more signatures than the mayor. You know, I, I don't know. It's sort of like campaign signs. You know, yeah. when I first moved to Chicago, people go, he has the most campaign signs. But campaign signs don't vote. You know what I'm saying, people? Maybe the people who don't have campaign signs 
are more likely to vote than the people who do have campaign signs. Whoa, that's so trippy. And do you They're, see this kind of being a theme uh, throughout the mayor's race this time around? Uh, maybe a, like anything Lori can do, Chewy can do better kind of thing. It kind of seems yeah. like he won. He won up to here on this, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, as I told you earlier, Tom Wopat, the great Tom Wopat, sings that song, one of my favorite songs from Annie, Get Your Gun. Anything you can do, I can do better. I will now refrain from singing that song. Uh, Dennis would probably edit that part out. Anything you can do, I can do better. And I forget what the next line is. I used to know it. I can do anything, anything better than you. No, you yeah, can. there yes, you go. Can. Wow. No, you can. Yeah, no, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> hey, you done, you done singing that? Hey. How many uh, podcasts do you think in America gave a shout out to Tom Wolpat today? Just want to say, how many podcasts, huh? <laughs> yeah. Tom Wolpat, yeah. uh, the Duke's a hazard. Uh, anyway, um, he's, uh, he's he's from Wisconsin, D. I don't know if you know that. Oh, Tom wow. Wolpat's from Wisconsin. Wow. Hey. wow. Hey, we done talking about that song? <laughs> Are we done? Well, you were the one who raised it, not me. Are we done talking about uh, that? But yeah, no, it's going to be tit for tat the whole time. It's <laughs> It's really got to be that way. Uh, there were 50 people at the Chewy uh, rally, but there were 87 at the Lori Lightfoot rally. Billy Bob, what's the th- significance of that? Well, it's a mic. Uh, it's an indication that the Lori Lightfoot machine uh, has more support on the ground. Oh, Chew- and- Chewy had two luncheons. <laughs> you know, Flannery, the two luncheons. That's double luncheon. Lori Lightfoot only had one luncheon. <laughs> Chicagoans are watching going, oh, yeah, two to one in luncheons. And then they'll quote it. Ben, I heard that there was only two luncheons for two years. All right. So I know you follow this stuff extensively. I know you love this petition filing day. Yes. Uh, any uh, dark horse candidates you're seeing here, someone that impressed you or someone that you saw here uh, throughout this uh, week that maybe has a shot at beating Chewy or Lori? Well, no, everything is about getting to the runoff. So I do not believe one of these uh, candidates will get the 50% vote that you need to make it to the runoff, uh, to, to win without a runoff, I should say. Uh, so this is, t- I mean, I've been really thinking about this, D, because like if I had a place of bet in Vegas, who would I bet? Forget who I support or whatever, who I'm going to vote for. Like, who do I think? I'll tell you who's, what's impressive. I think on the ground, Brandon Johnson and CTU, uh, their petition signature, I mean, they just didn't play around. They went on election day. They just <laughs> you got all their Yeah, I don't think everybody's talking about knocking them off. You know what I'm saying? And they filed the first day. They didn't have to wait till the actual week of getting those signatures. Uh, you know, so, but the, again, that's, it's, it's hard to tell. It really is hard to tell. I've always said that Paul Vallis, it's got a lane uh, to the runoff because he's the maggiest guy in there. And Maggie got, what, 15% of the vote? So, D, I need a little more time before I place my bets. You know what I'm saying? I need a little more. Sorry, guy. I'm not placing bets yet uh, at the window. By the way, can I do some shameless promotion? Yeah, sure. I just discovered this. December 13th. I'd completely forgotten this. Sorry, Rob Martwick. I completely forgot this. Uh, you don't <laughs> admit like, that part on the show. You just act like you knew the whole time. 
Yeah, I know. I forgot. I'm, I'll be moderating a mayoral forum uh, that Rob Martworth's Democrats in the 38th Ward on the northwest side of Chicago will be holding at the Copernicus Center. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think Brandon Johnson will be there. I forget uh, which candidates. Willie Wilson will be there, et cetera. Paul Ballas will be there. I'm not sure if uh, Chewy or uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, yeah. will be there. Well, uh, that's what I was going to ask, too, you know, with those with those debates. I can see, yeah. you know, yeah. if uh, Chewy doesn't go, that means Lori won't go. You know what I mean? They're going to be, like, chasing each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I totally see that Chasing each other, they forget that there's other candidates in the race uh-huh, who are uh-huh. going. Hello? You know? <laughs> You don't get to acclaim yourself the mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot and Chewy Garcia. There's a campaign to run. Uh, yeah. So uh, a really smart uh, and um, hardworking campaign can sneak in all the favorites. You know, like the everybody we've been talking about. Chewy had three. Lori had two. And meanwhile, here comes Brandon. Here comes Cam. Here comes Willie Wilson. No one's paying attention to them. You know, Sophia King, look out. Yeah, guys, you know, there's other candidates in the race. Hello. Don't get cocky. Don't get arrogant. All right. And finally, we'll end it out with some uh, news that happened last week that we never talked about. We didn't have a know what a week. So we'll talk about it now. Uh, A mayoral candidate dropped out of the race. And I want an answer. It's not just something you ignore. 15th Ward Alderman Raymond Lopez dropped out of the race for Chicago Mayor Monday and said he'd seek re-election to the city council. Lopez said, with every new challenger that enters the race, the odds of Lori Lightfoot making the runoff, possibly even winning the election, grows. For that reason, he's dropping out. I'm Chewy Garcia. Whatever you say, Raylo. (laughs) He added, this race has never been about me or any political ambition. What was it about then? It has always been about standing up for the city I love. Yeah, uh, I had a feeling. Remember, I had a feeling that Rayla was going to do this. Uh, I I just had a a sense that um, uh, Raylo was uh, just sort of promoting his brand uh, by saying he was running for mayor uh, and that he had no intention of actually doing so and that he would run for re-election. Remember all those stories or about a month ago we were talking so much about the, all the aldermen who weren't running for re-election and he was on that list uh, and it was a sign that things have changed in the city council. Raylo is not running for re-election. Can we redo all those stories? Raylo is running for re-election. Um, I, I, I'm... A, you know what, D? Raylo is uh, to the right of me on pretty much every issue. Uh, but having done so many Dave Glowatz uh, shows where Dave puts the clips of city council debates up and then we analyze and dissect, it's really one of my favorite uh, episodes that we do. I know it's deep dive, geeky stuff, and uh, that only, you know, like the most sophisticated listeners uh, will take that deep dive. But Raylo has impressed me. I got to tell you, just his knowledge of how the city council works, uh, how he uh, debates the mayor. I I think he has served a very important role uh, in the city council, even though uh, he is to the right of me on pretty much every freaking issue (laughs) you could possibly imagine. So, uh, yeah, he's going back to the city council. Uh, Raylo, so I got to tell you, though, your little defense of Ed Burke was a joke. Now, Raylo, I cannot believe you you thought so highly of Ed Burke. What a great servant he is, the city of Chicago. That's another story, uh, D. I think 
Oh, I think that happened this week. Uh, yeah, duh, it happened Monday. Did, Ed Burke did not file a run for re-election. Uh, so he is ending his political career. It's the column I'm running for next week. And um, so I don't know, Raylo. You didn't have to be so effusive in your praise of Ed Burke. Come on, Raylo. You cannot denounce like all the excesses of that you see in current Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, administration and all the potential examples of like, conflicts of interest, etc. as you have done, as you've denounced them, and then just sing the praises of Mr. Conflict of Interest, Ed Burke. Come on, Raylo. <laughs> yeah, stay in the city council if you're going to do shady stuff. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not surprised at all that he dropped out of the mayor's race it didn't file that he's and he's running up for re-election instead so there you are everybody remember you can download previous ben jarofsky shows benny j bonus interviews and so much more chicago reader chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download podcast ben who's on the weekend lineup oh my god what a weekend we have i've already promoted uh three of them or two of them uh terry cosgrove what a conversation we had uh about the state of illinois politics uh, after the midterms it's a lot of fun talking uh with tc uh delmarie cobb we took the deep dive on the mayor's race uh delmarie has uh, as she put it no horses in that race and so uh, she let her free flag fly uh that's when dropping tomorrow and uh conversation and i just finished uh with uh, wilfredo cruz a professor of sociology at columbia college just wrote a book about latino politics in chicago very um he's really on top of things right on time very relevant uh with jesus chuy garcia one of mm, presumed front runners to be the next mayor so uh fun conversation with wilfredo cruz and that will drop monday all right. Uh, I want to thank uh, all our uh, listeners and guests. What? And Dr. D. What's so funny? I uh, just, uh, uh, all of a sudden, I was going to thank our guests, and I realized we had no guest. Oh, uh, yeah. Show. Uh, let's just keep that in anyway, D. Uh, no one's perfect. I, I hope to see all of you uh, at Promontory, December 6th. Uh, Maya and I will be uh, hosting Leslie Hairston, Rosanna Rodriguez, and Joe Winston, the director of Punch 9. We talk about the city council. Should be a blast. Uh, the city council then and now uh, Delmarie Cobb says she'll be there so you can say hello to Delmarie Cobb that's Tuesday December 6th also want to thank the man the myth the legend the pride and joy of Illinois without whom this show would be possible and it's Delmarie Cobb Leslie Harrison J.B. Pritzker and D.B. Dara Bailey will tell you back home in Alton they call him Dr. D and the D stands for tomorrow let's keep yourself raised take it up petty cash peace and love everybody <laughs> <laughs>